You guys have probably heard me talk about it at this point, but the One Broke Actress Working Actor Workshop is now officially open for two sets of dates in October. Instead of hearing me talk about the workshop, I thought it would be best if you talked to three actors who attended the workshop this summer, Kendall Dupree, Dan O'Brien, and Brittany Shaw. I think the parts of the workshop that not only stood out to me, but parts that I still use pretty much every day. First off, the little guide that you give us that shows us essentially like finances, working, these, it's like a survival toolkit for actors. And I love too that it is not just for LA, it's for everywhere. It's truly a universal guide, which is so helpful, especially for actors like myself who are bi-coastal, it's so helpful. One thing that you brought up a lot in the workshop and especially in the Q&A section that you graciously gave so much time for and that I love is so curated to each individual workshop because you take your time with everybody. But one thing that you really stress that I really hold close is the power that we have over our own careers, more so than I think we initially thought. And so that theme really has stuck with me ever since I took your workshop. And everyone was like, oh, the financing section, the financing section, the budgeting, and I couldn't agree anymore. I'm coming from a variable income. You know, budgeting is foreign to me almost. That slide kind of putting numbers to the different aspects of an actor's life was amazing. It was like a light bulb going off. That alone, I think, was worth taking the workshop. Things that have really stuck out for me, like you gave no BS, like you were like, this is like the budget. <laughs> this is what it takes. You have to do this and that and really understanding it instead of like the airy fairy kind of stuff. Better networking strategies. I was felt really icky about networking. I was like, oh, I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> What's that mean? Kendall, Dan, and Brittany, thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk to me. You guys are rock stars, and I am so excited to watch your careers explode. If you guys are interested in learning more about the Working Actor Workshop, all of the information is linked in our show notes of this podcast episode and also available at onebrokeactress.com. Okay, let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, and today I'm here with my guest booking producer, Helena Santos. Hi, Helena. Hey, Sam. And we are back with one of our bonus episodes where we just catch up on what's going on in our real life. And these are our most timely episodes because they're not usually recorded that far in advance. So it's like very what's up with happening in our lives. And we have not talked in two months, even though we met yeah. for book club, but we haven't talked about each other's lives. So it's so good to finally talk to you. Yeah. It's so great to see you over zoom and talk to you. And, um, can we just say you are now married? I'm married. Congratulations. That's real. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. How do you Thanks. feel? The same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's totally the same, but except, except that, uh, I'm no longer planning a wedding during COVID mm -hmm. and I've yeah. spent the entirety of COVID planning a wedding. Like I didn't know what it was like to be in COVID without a wedding hanging over my head. So it's nice to not have that. That's lovely. Yeah. And no one got, you know, we had 37 people. No one got COVID. 
Like I spent the week after the wedding just waiting for a text oh or an gosh. email. So it's like everything. Yeah. And we did the best we could. We everyone tested before they came the day before they traveled and all these things. You know, our, our venue was open air. So everything was everything we could do. And no one got sick. And I I could not like forget everything else that like my dress didn't properly fit or like X, Y, and Z. Like we forgot flower. We had, I, it doesn't matter because like no one got sick and truly like health equals wealth. It's never been more prominent in my life. Just thinking that I was able to get married and no one is going to be ill because of my wedding. That is the best feeling. Wow. Yeah. Gee. Whew. So that's not on my mind anymore. So now I feel very open and free. Well, and so can we just say that you came from a fitting today? So mm-hmm. you have booking. Yes. I don't know anything about this. So I'd love to hear about whatever you're allowed to say. Yeah. So I actually came, oh, whatever back, you want to say. I came back from the wedding and, uh, we drove, so we got married on September 4th, which it means that today is my one month anniversary wow. that we're recording. This. <laughs> uh, we made it, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> Happy one month anniversary. Thanks. <laughs> That's fine. No one needs to get flowers. Uh, uh, so I came home. We, our wedding was on a Saturday. Uh, the following Wednesday, we drove home from Colorado, which was like a 16 hour drive. And then fr- Thursday, I went to a wardrobe fitting and Friday, I was back on set for the show that I had been mm-hmm. filming. For the, the recurring one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was cool. Mm-hmm. That was, I, I, that kind of turnaround going from such a craziness into like such a different kind of craziness. I don't think I could have handled a couple of years ago Mm. for a myriad of reasons. One, just general stress and not having uh, a plan because I was written a really lovely scene that was very emotional. And to be able to come, you know, the second I got the script was, I got the script, you know, a couple of days before our wedding. And so I just messaged my coach and I booked a coaching time for the day before I got to set and didn't think about it the rest of the trip, which was mm, great. something I don't think I could have done um, in a previous life. I don't think that I, a couple of years ago, would have been able to handle that kind of stress. I would have worried about it in some capacity. And also- What do you think it is that you would have worried about? Not being prepared, not knowing what I'm doing. It was a, like a super emotional scene and I would be worried about tackling it, handling it on set, you know? So- mm-hmm. I think the growth that I've had in the confidence in myself in the most high stress situation, like actually filming Mm -hmm. is astronomical. And also the way I feel in my own body is usually a big stressor for me before I book work. Like the way Mm -hmm. I look, um, you know, my skin, if I feel bloated, if I feel like I haven't been working at all of these things, those are all factors that came into play for this because I was just, you know, away for 10 days before I came home. So, you know, I hadn't been, you know, like go for a run or like ride bikes or something in Colorado, but I wasn't the workout schedule and things like that, that I keep at home and the schedule of what I eat and, you know, picking my own foods and all those things kind of fall away when you go on vacation. Cause you're like, I'm absolutely going to have the special <laughs> whatever's at this right. restaurant. And I felt fine. That's so great. It's Cause you're, the best. you're able to live life and enjoy everything and not have the worry. How do you think you'll be able to take that into your daily life now? That kind of less structured way of going about things. Uh, I think 
there is very much power in knowing that you have done something before. So Mm -hmm. the idea that I already did it is now filed in my brain and I can pull on that at any time. Mm -hmm. That's a very big thing for me. Once I've seen someone do something that I think is hard, or I've done something I think is hard. I always think, well, I did it before, or I did some version of this. So there's no reason I can't do it again. So I feel a little, you know, it's like one more millimeter of space in my brain of possibility, which Mm -hmm. is huge. And, you know, I don't know if it'll be like a forever feeling, but it's just nice to know that, you know, I'm I'm captaining my own ship and I came back from a really cool celebration and I got to have another kind of celebration, which was just being on set. And that was really cool. So there was a bit of a come down after the wedding, which was a bummer that I don't feel like people talk about enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, people call it the wedding blues, I guess. I didn't really feel like sad about the wedding. I was just sad to say goodbye to people. Cause it was the first time we saw all these people we loved for the first time in so long. It was yeah. so long. Well, also you've been planning it for, so. I mean, it's like being in a play, you know? Yes. Um, it's the same sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. It's just been months and months of, well, I guess some, I guess I'm thinking more theater school because mm-hmm. you're with these people and you're doing stuff. Whereas now, you know, like a, a play is a couple weeks prep or whatever, but it's the same kind of feeling when you're with this or a show. It's, it's the same thing. You put so much of your heart and soul into it and then just suddenly it's over. Yeah. And there's definitely a come down. Yeah. And it was, it was, I wouldn't change a thing, even the things that were wrong. I don't care. It doesn't, you know, it's everything was beautiful and lovely. And like I said, no one got sick. So it was everything mm-hmm. I could have possibly wanted. So I'm thrilled and happy. And I feel I got a lovely serotonin cushion of coming home and going to set. So I feel mm-hmm. like I came home and I went back to the job that I love the most out of all my jobs. So mm-hmm. that was lovely. Uh, and then, you know, it's been very quiet for me uh, on most ends, except commercially. And mm-hmm. I just booked a commercial. So yeah, yeah I've shoot that tomorrow, I think. <laughs> Still waiting for an official <laughs> time. Uh, but I was at a super long fitting today and feeling pretty cool. I haven't booked a commercial in like almost three years. In a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. great. That is so great. And didn't I you just book a commercial? Yeah. I had a good pocket there and I'd like it to continue. Please. And thank yeah. you. Let's yeah. go. Tell me about what you've got going on. Well, I finally, I auditioned for a lot of Hallmarks up here because we shoot a lot here and I finally booked a Hallmark, which is great. Super fun character. So I shot that two Mondays ago. And then I booked a commercial that I had a couple days on. It was so fun because I got to sing. And it's one of these ones where there's a whole bunch of people singing little pieces of a song and then they yeah. all come together. You know, like it's just one of those, it's a super feel good thing. And it was two days of shooting that. And it was an incredible experience. Like, I think because of the other actors there, um, the crew was fantastic too, but there was something about, they had a lot of actors and there was sort of a core of us that ended up hanging out. I did feel like I was in theater school again. I felt like it was this merry band of little theater kids who were doing their show. I just felt great. And they were lovely people. So it made the experience just, so it's going to go down as one of my favorite things I've done. Um, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I might only be in it for two seconds, but I'm like, this is worth the world of everything. It's just great. Yeah. And then I booked a voiceover job in another video game. So 
I'm doing that at the end of this month. Yeah. It all, like that all happened in a very short span of time, you know? So all really great stuff. And I'm stoked. Auditions have been sort of slow, but you know, every time I say that I'll, the last time I said that I made a note because I, I said, oh, auditions have been slow and I had three the next day. So I'm like, yeah, that's what happens. So I don't even, I kind of don't even think about it now because I I just fill my days obviously with other things. And then mm-hmm. when stuff comes in, you just do the thing. And it's just a part of the, it's just a part of what you do. They come in, you do them. They don't come in, you don't do them. So like, but literally what you're saying is like the working actor goal, right? Is that we don't, mm-hmm. it's not as, as jarring to us when we don't have the opportunities. Oh yeah. I don't, it's Besides I, stressful. Cause they'll come. You yeah. just had such a, such a badass couple of months. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Well, I mean, truly cause I was auditioning a lot and nothing was happening. And I'm like, Oh man, like sometimes it's real easy to get down when there's those stretches of time where there's a lot of auditions, no bookings, especially now. Cause you know, there's seeing so many more people. It's just hard. It's, it can be a, a draining, you know? Totally. And so I started to be like, oh, come on. Like something's got, something's got to happen. Something's got to go. Actually, and the one, the hallmark that I booked was I, it was another one where I, I'm, when you were talking about costumes, how this, uh, one of the things that you booked had like a specific costume that you put yeah. together. So I definitely, I made a costume thing um, that was specific to that character. It made sense. Um, and I was like, this, I feel like this is a good one. This might actually happen. Plus it was a good role for me, but obviously because I booked it, but it was, I just had a lot of fun with putting it together. And I think that I'm sure that that kind of showed Shows. through a bit, you know? Totally. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. And I'm, uh, oh, about Hallmarks though. It's funny because a lot of people, my husband books a lot of Hallmarks. He just booked a supporting in one that has like seven days of shooting, which is amazing. Yes, very. Number four on the freaking call sheet for the first time, which is awesome. Oh, amazing. So, you know, people ask us a lot about Hallmarks up here. And um, one of the things is obviously things that are shot here, you have to be a BC resident to be able to be in any of the, well, unless they fly supporting up from LA, but mostly they just have the leads be from LA or they're Canadian as well. So there's that. But one of the things that I did that I'm sure would be translatable to obviously other hallmarks that film in the States or any other kind of specific genre e channel, I made a hallmark specific reel because my reel that I use for everything else has swearing, it has guns, it has drug use, (laughs) all of these things that Hallmark is not a fan of. And the casting director up here who does most of the Hallmarks, she always says, please send real if it's Hallmark friendly, or I can't remember how she says it specifically, but essentially if it's Hallmark friendly. So I had never done that before. And then a few audition, Hallmark auditions before the one I booked, I put together a quick Hallmark friendly reel that had different footage in the end section. I mm-hmm. just, I literally just took my reel in half and went bloop, take out all this violence drugs and stuff and put in these other things. It wasn't happy or upbeat or anything. It's just, it was more based like on the relationship. Family friendly. Family friendly. Yeah. Clean. It was just mm-hmm. clean. Um, so I definitely think that that's helpful because they're, you know, they're sending the reels and if there's something that is a red flag for the network, then it just is another reason for them to be like, mm, no, not her, maybe that person. Yeah, totally. It's sometimes so, it's hard to unsee that right. when you're going for such a, it's 
they're pretty squeaky clean, right? So if you're going mm-hmm. for that kind of, you basically made a radio edit of your reel. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's and that's awesome. not to say that everyone has to do that, but I definitely think it's helpful, especially when the casting is asking for something that's specifically friendly for this. Now, did of- you, how did you know that casting was asking for that? Did you see it oh, on your breakdowns? The, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's literally in that, you know, how it's like, do your actor slate like this, mm-hmm. say these things. Here's all your other notes from casting. And then it says, send reels only if they're Hallmark friendly or Hallmark, whatever. Got it. Got yeah. it. Got it. Oh, that's yeah. such a good tip. Also, it's like super nice to work on something where it's just like good feeling all the time. You know, I know that some people think Hallmark is cheesy or whatever. And I think uh, Hallmark you know, is a good job. Oh, it's great. <laughs> great. Like, but some, that. some people really poo poo on it. And I, I really feel like they shouldn't. First of all, there's a great coach up here who talks about how hard Hallmark is actually as an acting hmm. thing. Like how, cause you have to be believable in these circumstances and certain dialogue that is heightened, you know, mm-hmm. so you, it's, it's a really specific style of acting that you have to have skill for. And people don't give actors enough credit for it. I don't think. Um, and also wait, I had another point of that. What was I going to say? Oh, we're just like Hallmark. Oh, and it's just, yeah. it's so, it's so nice to just be in something where things are happy. You know, the world yeah. is really God, just you know the world is intense right now it's been intense for a while and it's so nice to be in something where it feels good to be a part of and knowing that it's going to make other people feel good is just lovely yeah super so lovely it's that sounds so that sounds like a warm blanket it 100 <laughs> is it truly <laughs> truly oh truly is okay so what do you want to say to your future self who mm-hmm. is at some point in the near future in a drought of auditions or bookings, right? Because these are, this is, this is the fun part about having a podcast that we have this time capsule. So right right now you and I are both in a great spot, right? We've just had some work going, things are good, but we know in X amount of time, there'll be a nice quiet spot. So what, what do we want to listen back to ourselves say? (laughs) 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 I think just, just trust that you'll book again. Cause you mm-hmm. will, but cause every time I'm like, Oh, I'm never going to, well, I don't, I, I think I don't say that as much to myself anymore mm-hmm. because I've realized that the older I get, the more I'm booking and the longer I've been in this specific market in Vancouver, the more I'm booking. Yeah. Um, and the better I get at my craft, even just through auditioning at home so much, the more I'm booking and helping my husband with his auditions, you know, it's, I'm just booking more. So there's going to, yeah, you're right. There's going to be another drought for sure. At some point, I hope it's not too long. Um, cause I'd like this to just keep snowballing, yeah. but yeah, it'll happen again. I think is the key. Yeah. Same. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's nice when, when, I mean, this is also sounds kind of, um, it's, it's annoying to say this in some ways. Cause my, like my, Helena from like 10 years ago to be like, ugh. but it is nice when you do have a lot of auditions coming in. And like, I don't know about you, but if sometimes when I book something, I'm like, wait, what was that? And I have to actually go look and see what it was. I'm not holding on to every single booking as much because I know it's going to go to me or it's not going to go to me. And some things I really, really want 
you know, like there's this one Hallmark that I really, like she's a supporting and it's a great role and I really want it. But I'm like, eh, gonna go to who's gonna go to and what are you gonna do? Yeah. I feel so much better. I mean, but I also know that's a privileged situation to be in when you do have a bunch of auditions coming in and you're able to just let them go like that. To- totally. And I mean, I think of like last year when I had one audition in the form of six months of COVID mm-hmm. and I was like, I hope I hear back from this. Does anyone, has anyone heard back about this project when it was like, no, no one's heard back because you didn't book it. Like that's how this works. And I, mm-hmm. I held on so tightly to it because I was like, this is the one opportunity I have. And recently, this is what I would probably tell to myself. I realized that the thing I like beyond the fact that this job is my favorite thing in the whole world. And I would mostly just rather do this than 95% of things that what I love about getting an audition is it's like, it's like you're, this is going to sound a little dramatic, but it's like you're locked in a room and someone slid a sheet of paper under the door that it's a puzzle. And if you figure out the puzzle, you can get out of the room for just like a day. <laughs> so it's like, I know it sounds kind of depressing, but come, come with me on this journey. So okay. it's like someone it's your, we go through our lives and we oftentimes, a lot of us, especially after the last year are living in a very similar day to day. Like I work from home. I'm at home with my dogs. I'm very much at my desk all of the time. And I can get a little bored of routine. I think this is part of the reason I love acting is because you just never know what could happen. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love routine, I also hate it. And so when I get an audition, it's like, we're very similar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm obsessed. And then I like come back to it. I'm like, this is so great. And then I leave it. I'm like, I don't ever want it again. Um, when you get an audition, it's like, Hey, there's an opportunity here that might take you out of your routine and might throw you some curveballs you could have fun with. Here, give it a go. And you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And so it's like, it's a, it feels sometimes like an opportunity to change mm-hmm. uh, and not just, oh, here's a job. It's like, oh, here's an opportunity and this could change this or change that. And I'm not even just talking money. I mean, just like day-to-day enjoyment. And, and also you get to literally inhabit another person's Yes. Yes. And it gives you like, yo, you have something to work on that is just like so tangible. And like, you have something at the end of a self tape, even if it's just a tape that you turn in and never hear back from, it was like, I had this moment of change for a minute. And you know, when that, when you don't get those for a while, I realized I was like, I am not craving auditions. I'm craving opportunities for change. And I realized how much I'm in control of that feeling and how there are other ways that I can go about fulfilling that need until auditions come in. Mm. So Sam, it doesn't always have to be this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel similarly, not so much as the change in life, but definitely change in just like, if we're talking craft of acting, Mm -hmm. I, I just love experiencing the world through the filter of someone who is not me. And the connection that can happen with another person in this fake circumstance, it's just the entire thing is fascinating to me. And there's nothing better than, I don't know about you, but there's certain moments and certain projects I've been in where there'll be a singular moment where you really connect with the other actor. And there's this electrical exchange that happens between you. And the reason I love film and TV is because it it's captured in a way that I mean, they might not use that take or whatever, but it it has the opportunity to be captured in a way that theater has different kinds of magic that happen. But for me, it's just like, there's, there's that. And even I find in auditions, you know, when you, 
it's not necessarily about your reader or whatever. It's about the material. And when you find that electrical moment where it really hits you, whether it's comedy or drama or whatever it is, um, it's just the craft of acting blows my mind. And I think that lately, that's what's really, I'm enjoying a lot. Um, I think it's because I'm not, with getting older, being a woman who's getting older, I used to always want to stay young and I'm peppy and look at all these things and I can do this. And, and, and there was a specific sort of niche that I felt that I, I was in. And now as I get older, I, there's so, I get to do so many different things. And because I'm more of a quote unquote character actor, it's, it's so fun. I don't, I don't go like, oh, I wouldn't be able to do that. Or, oh, I don't know if I'm this enough. I just go, okay, well, what am I in that circumstance? Who am I doing that thing? What is that person like? You know, I, it might be totally off the mark for what they want, but I don't so much care. I'm just going to really enjoy inhabiting this, this being and, you know. Yeah. And I just, my God, I know it's so exciting just to talk about. I really think that you don't get to this point though. And I, so people who are listening who are like, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't feel Mm -hmm. this. I feel anxious. I do think it takes a certain amount of years in the business and it takes a certain amount of auditions to where you get to the point where you have this much uh, fuck it and fun at the same time. Uh, And can I also say that (laughs) for me, it took drugs because I, I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but I was diagnosed with OCD from the time I was 13 years old. Um, and like OCD and anxiety, I never took medication for it. Literally for almost well, I guess like 27 years, I didn't take any medication. I would be on set freaking the fuck out. Like literally I'd be just convinced I was going to fail. Like I, I would have these moments of slight panic attack where I would feel like my heart is going to leap out of my throat. And I'd have to be like, you're good. You got this. Like I had all the mantras in the world and all of the things that I thought could help me. And I was dealing with it and I was doing it. I was doing the work. I'd go to auditions, some auditions I would go to. And I felt like I literally slayed a dragon because I was so, had so much anxiety and was so nervous about whatever it was. And finally, when the pandemic started at top of 2020 and, and that like spiraled my OCD, I, I had a hard time functioning and I've had, I've been in therapy forever, you know, and Mm -hmm. I was, I just never needed to go on medication. And then finally I was like, you know what? I think I need to take a look at this because I am, I am the only way thing that's in my own way right now. And the pandemic and the situation of the world really heightened it. And I decided to, you know, with my therapist and my doctor, um, just try some medication. And I talked to a lot of other friends who were like, cause my whole thing was I'm an actor. I don't want this to change who I am or how I emote or any of those things. Mm-hmm. And I talked to so many people who I didn't even, I didn't know were taking anything. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, well, this is, uh, maybe I should just try this and see. And it has ended up being the best thing for me because I, I'm on like a super low dose of a med and it, it literally just makes everything better. <laughs> it makes everything better. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have, it's, it's great. It's, it's insane how much I don't have the same amount of anxiety. Like I still get butterflies or something, mm-hmm. but it's not this crippling feeling that I had before. And I didn't even know that there was another way to be. Um, I was so used to it. So for anyone out there who deals with things like anxiety or OCD or any sort of thing, mental health, anything, 
um, you know, I, I definitely am an advocate for doing what is right for you and your body when you feel that it is right for you. And it has been amazing. So Good. yeah, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. So there's that too. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's, there's so many factors, right? Like, and yeah. you know, therapy is highly encouraged if you've never Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've heard tell of actors who were like, I don't really need therapy. I have auditions and no, like, you don't, you don't want to, I don't, <laughs> it's like, oh God, it's like going to a open bar and trying to be a functioning member of AA. Like you just right. need to take care of yourself first. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, we've also talked just you and me, not on this podcast, but about acting teachers and programs mm-hmm. that you know, it's the whole breaking on to build you up thing. Well, there's that, but then there's also the fact that actors are taught to get into deep emotion and into all these places and, and dark things, but no one gives you the tools about how to get back out. Yeah. It's just not something that's a part of, a part of the teachings of the craft, which is bizarre to me, you know, because we're, we're required in a lot of cases to do really deep work whether or not you're a method actor or anything like that, you're still going to dark places sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have anywhere to work that stuff out and, and and not that therapy has to work those things out, but if you're in therapy for other parts of your life, you're able to deal with the stuff that can come up in an acting situation better. Totally. It's like the tools, you know, coping tools are are important beyond just you know, your current circumstances, like, you know, grief Mm -hmm. and all these things are, are incredibly palpable and and huge and important. And as an actor, we're supposed to feel them for a take and then go again and go again Mm -hmm. and go Mm -hmm. again. And then, all right, so you're good. So you can get in the shuttle back with all everyone who's having a laugh on the way back home. And it's, it's, uh, if you just put it in your pocket and walk away, like, you know, you know, it's like when you put something in your pocket and then you put it in the washing machine, it just ruins the whole fucking load. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's true. That is so, true. so many, uh, so many things. Uh, I, uh, with, you know, I'll, I'll include some resources on the bottom of the podcast episode, but there are tons of helplines for this and also like really affordable therapies. Now, if this is something people are looking into, mm-hmm. uh, because I just, I, just recommend it enough. Like I would rather you guys spend money on this than acting class, mm-hmm. especially, especially in the beginning when you're trying to manage your emotions in this job. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. hard. Absolutely. Uh, sure. and I, I just, do need to, oh, oh, go ahead. I'm just going to caveat, like to put on top of that, I don't believe that everyone needs drugs or should use drugs. Um, for me personally, it was, it's the thing after almost 30 years of dealing with something that I, mm. it was helpful for me. So it, everyone go out. We're not doctors or anything. So go no. out and do your own research, do your, <laughs> talk to your doctor, all your things. Every podcast <laughs> should start out with a disclaimer that is in my opinion. Yes. yes. <laughs> in my opinion, this worked for me in my, for opinion, me, you know, personally. like, like personally, I've been working with weed lately and it's been making a huge difference mm. in my anxiety. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big, big big fan being developed over here. That is something I will figure out and I'll post about it a different time when I mm-hmm. have more experience with it, but I'm, I'm getting super into it. But, uh, I mentioned just now getting in a shuttle 
which means a driver is driving that shuttle, which that driver is a member of IATSE. And I feel like we should touch on this conversation. Yeah. Well, literally today, just a few hours ago, they, um, the, the authorized the strike vote. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, you, well, you've talked a bit about it on your Instagram, but we should probably say, yeah. So IATSE, um, is technically what stands for international Alliance of theatrical stage employees. And they had been in negotiations basically for, I mean, do you want to do the rundown or, uh, yeah, no, you go ahead. Cause with the AMPTP, just like we were. Yeah. So that, that's the Alliance of motion picture and television producers for anyone who isn't familiar. And, oh man, I, I am so glad that, that if you're not following IE stories on Instagram, everyone should, um, we'll finally in the show notes. Yeah. The like crews are finally saying enough is enough. And they are talking about the intense experience of their jobs. Uh, and these are a lot of things that people don't even realize. Um, what they are p- planning to strike for, really, it helps them in negotiations now that they're going back into negotiations tomorrow, I think. But, you know, the fact that they're, the wages are so low for some of like the lowest paid craftsmen, craftspeople that work on sets, they often have days that exceed 12, 14 hours. Lunch breaks can be um, non-existent. There's all these meal penalties. Um, new media projects are paid lower, uh, than other theatrical projects. It's, there are just so many things that come up from this. And a lot of the stories that are talked about are just how in general, people who are crew, who are so integral to us being able to be on set to being able to even have any sort of content, um, can't live full, healthy, happy lives and are breaking their backs quite literally and some losing their lives in order to be able to do this job that they're doing. So that's just skimming the top of what they're fighting for and we should all be supportive of. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's really reading those stories. Listen, I think we've all been on set and we've thought, Oh God, these are such long days. And I think, majority of the people who listen to this podcast are kind people and are very kind to crew and just people. I think 99% of the people who listen to this podcast are also people who are just grateful to be on set and they want to make everyone's job easier and they just Mm -hmm. want to make great work. And, you know, that union is, is literally the wind beneath our wings of great Mm -hmm. work. We can't do anything without them. And sharing the IA stories is just That's doing what I that. was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Just, just increasing, well, increasing your personal knowledge, first of all, of what mm-hmm. is IATSE? Cause I know some actors didn't know what, what it stood for or what it was or whose jobs it was, you know, it's, it's, it's everyone right. From, mm-hmm. from the grips and, you know, and all those things uh, down to the shuttle drivers up to, uh, art production, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty much everyone. it's a lot of people. And I think educating yourself about what that union does and what they need and what they've been forced to do in the past few years, just to stay in the business because they're threatened constantly by the higher ups in production. Like, we'll just, you're very replaceable. All these things, there's 10 people who Mm -hmm. want this job and people have lost their lives. They've lost their families. They've lost, you know, their health just to keep staying in this business. And 
you know, sharing those type of things and those stories and being on their side and understanding where they're coming from, I think is super important. And also one, it just adds to your kindness to them when you do see them on set. Mm-hmm. And two, I think it's going to matter as they go into negotiations because as they negotiate, there is the strike vote for yes. So they could technically strike, which would technically mm-hmm. change the landscape of our jobs if it were mm-hmm. to go that far. It sounds like the AMPTP really doesn't want to do that. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully they're able to get their changes through that they want to get. So it doesn't come to that. But if it does, then we all have to understand that it's not about us. Right. And also a win for them and what they need is a win for everyone. Yes. And it improves all of our experiences. I mean, even if, if you just take a look at the fact that, you know, yeah, I was uh, the other day I had a six, no, 15 hour day or something, you know, <sighs> it's, it's a lot, it's a long day. And I, for part of that time, get to be hanging out in my trailer. You know, yeah. they don't get to be hanging out in a trailer. They're constantly working. They're constantly on their feet They're, It's, it's a lot. And when people, nobody, when you're doing seven days of that straight and you're on a show for how many months, how, how can anyone be a functioning human being? I mean, even there's all those photos that they're sharing too, of like wardrobe people sleeping in the tra- like in the mm-hmm. wardrobe trailer, because they can't, there's no time. They can't go home or they can't, it's not, yeah. that's not, that's not good. That is not normal. And it's not healthy. You know, someone, I, someone said to me a long time ago, they said, it's so crazy that you guys have just accepted that 12 hours is the normal day. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I thought, well, that's just how it is in this business. But I was not once again, this is very young Sam, like understanding her privileged narrative that I was not I was only thinking about myself in that circumstance. I was like, well, mm-hmm. I'm just happy to be here. I'm an actor, la, la, la. I wasn't thinking about the 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18 hour days that this is for everybody else. Yeah. And that's truly, I mean, listen, it also matters for us, right? Like I think turnover time sucks. And when you're pushing people that far, it sucks. Right. But SAG has a 12 hour, like that you can't turn someone around within 12 hours, right? That's still think you can. You can pay. Oh, can you push it? See, you can pay for anything. It's like, if you can pay for all this stuff, why can't you pay people a proper living wage? Like there was a a script coordinator who was on the business talking about how they make something like $17.59 an hour. Like what? A script coordinator? I don't know if the sense 59 is right, but say 18 bucks ish an hour. Right. And they're saying about how they and their partner just had a baby and they live in Los Angeles and at the YMCA in order to get daycare, it was something like $1,600 a month. So how, how, I mean, I, I just can't wrap my mind around it. And this is why when you have overtime pay, it's like beneficial. And so people are going, oh, okay, well, we're here, but at least I'm getting the time and a half or whatever, at least at over 12 hours, I think it is you're getting double time mm-hmm. or is it 12 hours? I can't remember. I think it is. Um, eight. So sometimes well, it goes like eight, 10, it's, it's 12, weird. something uh, Canada might be different. Mm-hmm. I don't know. People Google it. I might be saying the wrong thing, but I'm pretty sure it's eight, 10, 12, mm-hmm. um, that the breakup of like time and a half, double time, whatever. And some people say, well, that's how, you know, I paid for my kids college, but at what cost, you know? And so for actors, if we're only there, say one day out of this, you know, this particular week of shooting, 
and you're there for say 14 hours, you're going, oh, this is great because maybe I got a meal penalty and maybe I got my time to half. Oh, maybe I also got a double time. So you're making good money, mm-hmm. but which again, I don't know if that's the same in America. I could be wrong. No, it um, is. Yeah. There's yeah. the, the whole meal penalties all the I'm time. The time and half well, and yeah, the time stuff. and a half. I just don't remember like the breakdown and stuff, but yeah, I mean, it can be very financially great, but not for people. But not if that was yeah, that. five days in a <laughs> row, six days in a row, 50 oh, days yeah. in a row, and then like Saturdays, which is so many people are just, it's so funny that we have this thing called Fridays that people are just learning about where you're like shooting into the Saturday morning and then you have to go out mm-hmm. like super early on Monday morning. So you basically don't, you have maybe Sunday off, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Fridays is when you go into working on a Saturday, if anybody doesn't mm-hmm. know that. And they, like a night shoot into it was like the Saturday. a super cute term we used in college to like go drink and then oh. in film, it became a whole different scenario. And then they barely have Sunday to like get their lives together, let alone get groceries or hang right. out with their kids or, you know, take a nap and then back to work on Monday. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's pretty um, unacceptable. And to be honest, it's kind of crazy that it took this long to get them this power, but it is also like a testament to the power of social media. Oh, hugely. Yeah. <sighs> like, I mean, they, that IA that, stories account is yeah. incredible. Whoever is running that, like the, the most props you guys are doing so much good work. Yeah. It's, it is truly. And it's so cool that I think that the general public who is sort of following this is seeing you know, because people always go, oh, I started, I wanted to be an actor because I didn't know what else there was in the industry. But now they're seeing like, oh, there's all these other jobs. But also, this is not easy. What people mm-hmm. in this industry do, the their, their craft of whatever it is, isn't easy. It's, there's so many things that go into making a movie when it gets, or a show or whatever, once it gets to a screen that people had no idea about. And I think that's, that's one of the other cool side effects of all of this happening. It's, it's really, you know, un what wizard of Oz it all a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you don't sit through the Marvel credits just for the end piece guys. You should read yeah. the credits. Those are all people yeah. who worked really hard. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, cause we're, I mean, so many people in the industry are obviously the people who sit and watch the credits mm-hmm. when you're not LA and people are like, like they look at you like you're weird. <laughs> We always sit, we always sit through the whole credits and people, everyone gets up around us. I'm like, no, 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 we have to see these people's names. Yeah. have to acknowledge the hard work. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens with that. And whatever that means, I'm, I'm fully in support of, of all these people having their lives back and their health back and being able to work in this industry. I mean, my God, can you imagine if this was solidly on actors backs, we would have, we would be complaining left and right. (laughs) It would be huge. I mean, I, I sometimes have a level of guilt. Do you ever get this level of guilt and not necessarily on set, but just in general that actors get the accolades and the, Oh, it just lightninged. Oh, Oh, like storm. Cool. Oh my God. If you don't live in Los Angeles, it never storms here. Everyone in like who listens in Chicago is like, okay, bitch, keep going. Um, (laughs) But I think I sometimes get this level of guilt and acting that we, we get, we get the accolades and we get the, you know, 
awards and we get like center stage and the glam and all these things. But when really, if you look at a set and who's doing the most legwork, it's 98% of the time, it's not us. Unless you're also show running and directing, you know what I mean? But it's there it's, and I don't want to downplay our work, but my God, other people's jobs are so much harder. Yeah. Can be. I mean, I think about it just, I think it's just, I think it's a matter of, we all need to respect one another and what we all do and what we bring to it. Totally. You know, like I do think about Brian Cranston. There was one interview I heard of his where he literally with Breaking Bad, he basically never had weekends because he'd be learned. He had so much dialogue that he was just constantly mm. learning lines. So he's on set for a gajillion hours. And then he goes home, he learns his lines. He's on set for a gajillion hours. And then he talks about how on the weekends, all he did was learn more lines. So, you know, Jesus. in that case, I'm sure Brian Cranston is working pretty damn hard. I think I mean in like physical labor, like yeah, yeah, physical labor, physically, yeah. like it just it, some. I don't know. Sometimes I watch people work, and I'm like, I'll. I'm also brought up, and a lot of us are in the indie film scene, where mm-hmm. you help carry lights and you do right everything because you you're a part of a crew of four, you know. Yeah. So every time yeah. I'm on a set, a part of me is still like, I'll. I'll carry my own lunch to my trailer. You don't have to do that. Like, I'll, oh, I know. <laughs> Even with props, like I forgot that I'm not supposed to like touch. Like I, I went to go put back because I picked up the props and then I, I went mm-hmm. to go just put the pe- props back. And then it's like, no, the props person has to put the props back. Cause they know, but I'm like, oh, I know it goes there, but I can't, that's not, not my job. I can't <laughs> don't do that. It's not your job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, indie film world is when you do everything all the time, it's yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah, definitely. Dude. Okay. Well, I guess I should go walk my dogs before it storms in Los Angeles. Yep. Yep. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we leave people with anything? Is there, do you have anything coming out or has everything just been filmed? Uh, oh, well, you know, it's funny. It's not really, I mean, whatever. My Legends of Tomorrow came out I think between something, I don't know. There's a reason I didn't say it on the podcast. I don't know. It's out there, whatever. I don't, I don't remember what episode it is, but it's out there. If anyone watches Legends of Tomorrow, they want to see me for a hot second. Um, Amazing. I don't know. Is there anything else? No. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you? I don't know. Nothing. When does the show that you're, you can't say about is airing? When does it start airing? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Still we don't know. It. They're still Welcome to our it. industry. Just, we don't know. I just went and did ADR for the thing I filmed in June for a mm-hmm. co-star. So I, I don't know. Everything's just, I had a cool, I had the coolest ADR experience and I'll have to talk about it. Cause I got to go to the, the celebrity's house. Who's the lead in the show to record oh, the ADR. That's which was pretty fun. Cool. Do they have a, a studio? A studio? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, it, it was. A, well, I'll tell. ADR is so great. Be, okay, wait, we're just going on and on. But I know, so I know. We're like, just excited oh, you have to, to say these two other. words. You're gonna get paid to say a couple words. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it was literally six minutes. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go walk my dogs in this storm. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you are following Helena. Her Instagram is in the show notes, and so is mine. And I hope you guys are doing well. We're super happy to be with you booking or not we are here for you always always all right we'll talk to you guys soon happy october happy october